What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tondwald, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where we try and find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This episode, we have Malcolm and Marie Andrews, founders of Parents Against Negligent Daycare, also known as PAND. I used to work with Malcolm, and I remember how I felt when I first heard that his then two-year-old son, Stokely, passed away in an act of neglect, drowning in an unsupervised pool at his daycare. Unlike most people who would take such a devastating event and hide from the world, Marie and Malcolm instead formed this organization in order to never have something like this happen again. This was an amazing conversation, and I feel honored to help share their story. Marie takes us through the formation of PAND, her drive to make a positive impact in the world, while also learning that, unfortunately, the people in power don't always view life as precious as the rest of us. She talks about the great support Malcolm lended her during the formative process, and it was a beautiful thing to hear each of them talk about how much they do for one another. She also shares the inspiration uh, for Stokiefest, an annual celebration of life and remembrance of their son. Malcolm talks about setting an example for their girls and living for them. One of the things that we talk about that unfortunately was off mic was their love of South Park and how that show in particular allowed them to just shut off and laugh. I thought it was great knowing that South Park of all shows is what got them cracking smiles. Panda will be at Chuck Brown Memorial Park in D.C. on Saturday, June 22nd from 1 to 4 for the second annual Stokie Fest. They'll have plenty of useful information to not only keep the kids safe, but their parents too. There will be a special DJ set by Easy Street, so please go and show your support for this amazing foundation. I'll have all the links in the show notes. Last episode, I said I wanted to try something and came up with an idea that is definitely not original, but still might be fun. You guys have all heard me ask my guest questions, but if you have any questions for me, Feel free to message me on Facebook, DM me on Instagram, or email me at ambitionradiopodcast at gmail.com. If there's enough good ones, I'll start incorporating it into the intro of the episodes, or possibly do a spinoff episode here and there if I get enough. Let's get some good ones. Please don't fail me. As always, please rate and review on iTunes, follow me on Spotify, and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcast. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, PAND itself, uh, what it stands for, and then um, the the kind of the way that it started for you guys and go go forward. Does that sound all right? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> well, PAND um, stands for, it's an acronym, P-A-N-D, stands for Parents Against Negligent Daycare. Mm-hmm. Uh, we started this organization after Stokely, our son, he passed away. In a daycare accident, well, we we don't call it an accident. It was an act of neglect. Um, he drowned in a swimming pool. Um, while his daycare provider was not there, mm-hmm. he was left with um unqualified, you know, replacement, who left the kids alone in the backyard with a pool of water, and um he drowned unfortunately. And you know, through the trials and tribulations, you know, my beautiful wife Mary, she um found the strength to birth this organization just to raise awareness regarding child care safety, water mm-hmm. safety, you know, a lot of, 
you know, young parents, they leave their children in the hands of, you know, people who may not be qualified to watch children. And don't get me wrong, some of them are qualified. It's just, you know, things happen, you know, mistakes are made on the part of the provider as far as, you know, letting parents know what is what. You know, we definitely feel like we would have wanted to know if there was a pool on the premises. So, you know, one thing Pan wants to do is make sure, you know, parents can ask these kind of questions when they're looking for a childcare provider. Because most people don't think to ask, is there a pool on the premises? Is there water here? Yeah, I also feel like, because uh, I, I mean, I see a lot of my friends with kids, they're always looking for more providers. And I feel like that's, it's actually a smaller pool than what I even would have thought of too, right? Yeah. So when they're looking for it, something that's affordable, something that's going to work with their schedule, something, because obviously when you go to work nine to five, not everybody works in nine to five yeah. either. So it gets a little difficult to do everything and find kind of that, that ability to put them in a safe place that you don't have to think about for so long and then find something that actually works for you and someone that you can trust. Right. And something that you can afford. Yeah. Believe it or not, you know, people, they can't afford to put their children in a child care center. Right. Some of these places ask for $300, $400 a week. So, you know, imagine being a young parent making, you know, $400, $500 a week every two weeks. Yeah, you I mean, know, that's, and that's their whole thing. Yeah, you know, you, you're going to take your child to some place that you can afford, whether it's uh, the neighborhood grandma who's just <laughs> keeping everybody's child for, you know, $50 a, $50 a day or anything. Right. like. But, you know, it's no, it's no regulation in that. You know, nobody's coming to inspect her house. Nobody's coming to make sure that she's following a guideline of how to keep children safe, but... You know, and it's no who's there to keep hold her accountable. Yeah, you know, and and that's the big part of it is accountability. You know, you you got to know when the last time your child care providers, you know, facilities have been inspected. You know, when was their license renewed? You know, do they have insurance? A lot you of know, them yeah. don't have insurance. Yeah, you know, imagine taking your child to a place and um getting a referral and saying, oh, just take him here. She she'll only charge you a hundred dollars a week. This she's making money under the table. You know, right. she's not a licensed childcare provider. Right. So she's not she doesn't have insurance for each of those children that she keeps. You know, and, but if something happens to your child while you while she she your your child's with that person, what what are you gonna do? Nothing. That's wild. Yeah. The questions that parents don't think to ask, you know, Pan wants to make sure that parents has this have this knowledge. Yeah. For the sake of the children. Because that's at the end of the day, you know, I always like to say the minimal expectation you have when you pick up your child from your child care provider is that they're going to be alive. Yeah. You know, that's the minimal expectation. Yeah. I, 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 we could have dealt with the broken leg or a, cut a bump. Or yeah. Any, or, anything. Yeah. Anything is just, but, you know, huh. it's, it's tough to. I never even would have thought that there was no uh, insurance for that. That I feel like once you get licensed, like that's something as a business, that's something that you have to. And you know, some may have it, but if it laps, yeah, who's checking to make sure that they've gotten an insurance renewal? Right. Nobody. Because it's the same thing with like car insurance and stuff like that. You know, if that lapses yeah. and you get in an accident, you know, there's no real way to uh, you know keep track of that in real time or anything mm-hmm. like that too. So. That's a very important thing. And I, I would say, too, you know, other people would probably have this 
event shut them down, right? Mm. And you've turned it around to where you're you're building a, a bigger uh, way to keep everybody safe and mm-hmm. you know bring awareness to everybody. So I, I think that's a great thing, and I, I definitely applaud you for that. Um, so when you're looking at this, when you're looking at the different uh, daycares, how do how does that come into play? Where you start thinking, okay, now we need to help everybody else. What do we need to get organized? What's kind of like our first step into it? Um, do you guys remember what you did first after to try and get it up and running? You know what? To be honest, I tell people all the time, I don't know how we got it up and running. <laughs> you know, and, and that that we part is a stretch because I have to give a lot of credit to my wife because right. I played a minimal part. I was mm-hmm. more here for her moral support. But I was not in the space where I could make all of this happen. Sure. You know, th- she was driven by, you know, her ferociousness as a mother. Yeah. You know, I'm more so, you know, I just want to be left alone. <laughs> I want to just keep living and, you know, put my energies into, you know, our daughters. Right. And she's like, you know, no, I want to do more. I want to build something for Stokely. I want to make sure that, you know, his legacy continues and that we can use this to empower other parents and keep other children safe. And, yeah. you know, I admire her so much because she was the one filing paperwork and, you know, getting W-2s and W-9s. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds wow. exactly what I'm doing with this. I, yeah. I don't know what I'm doing. I know that I filled out some paperwork for it, but yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see yeah. how it works. I don't think I'm going to get in trouble, so hopefully, hopefully we'll be good. Mm. But is there is there someone that you reached out to to try and keep the get the ball rolling with this? Yeah, I um went on Google. Google has been my closest friend um, through this process, and I found an organization called Maryland Nonprofit mm-hmm. something um, where they help people like me start a nonprofit. Um, they like walk you through the process and they help you file your papers because um, I wanted it to be done right and yeah. I didn't want anything to come up later down the line and um, you know bite us and right. you know what <laughs> right now, you don't want to be hit for just red tape when you're trying to do so much good yeah. right yeah so we invested our personal money to do this and it was not cheap <laughs> I can tell you just by making your own podcast and all that stuff, that's not cheap. I so I, I can't even, yeah. So when you uh, first reached out to that, um, what kind of goals did you have uh, set up for what you wanted to do? Was it something where you were starting to get like a linear step-by-step process mm-hmm. of what you wanted and being able to set like a small goal, being like, okay, I have this, let's move on to the next one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, first I had to come up with a name. Yeah. You know, it's like I can't just be bouncing ideas and I don't have my foundation. Right. Um, and so I started thinking like, you know, what what is this really about? And I wanted to form a group of parents. Um, I wanted to form a group of parents who felt the same way we felt parents against negligent daycare and daycare doesn't just mean um you know a babysitter it means schools it means grandma in the neighborhood whoever is watching your child needs to be aware 
and not be negligent. And then you need to be aware of what's happening, right? Exactly. Every step. Yeah. So that that's great. So once that, that name came across, were there uh, people that you reached out to help support you? Was there a group of people that are ready and willing to kind of step up and do whatever you need to? Or was it just really, okay, I have this, I have this drive to get this out, so let's go ahead and... and Use Google, use all these other resources and, and get it kind of rock and rolling. Was it something that you were just the driving force of or were you able to like bring the whole, like what you were talking about, bring all your parents together and your neighborhood together? Um, yes, I had some friends who are very knowledgeable and have long careers in the early childhood field. And, you know, when you're going through something, people always say, let me know if you need anything. Mm -hmm. So I'm the type of person, if you tell me something, I expect you to stand by it. Right. So I reached out to a few of them and I said, I need you. And I don't like asking for help. So if I ask you, it's important. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So they're like, sure, whatever you need. So I built the um, board of directors, formed that. Um, and there's some brilliant minds. And we just came up together with the mission and vision of the organization. And we were able to build off of that. That's great. So what do you think that you've learned the the most so far with this? Is it something that, like a, a stat that brought out that, that just blew your mind? Or was it something where you thought that everything was kind of like the licensure procedure or the process uh was you know solid enough but now it's actually under such a big microscope that it's something that you even you know saw in your mind was like what is happening we need to fix this immediately yes absolutely so i started researching the laws because these people were not arrested my first thing was why aren't they in jail um, did you do a drug test? What's what's going on? Who's leading the investigation? Who's involved in it? So it just raised so many questions because of the lack of process that was in place. So I noticed that the laws in D.C. suck pretty much. <laughs> I mean, too many loopholes, too many gray areas. And I'm like, these are our babies. Yeah. You know, I love animals, and it seems like people care more about animals than babies. We all were babies at one point in time. Do you not love yourself? But that's a whole nother. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, I did research. I reached out to the um, district attorney that prosecutes child homicides in Mm -hmm. the district, the detective that did the investigation, um, everybody. I'm like, please explain to me, like a third grader, what the process is. Yeah, keep it simple. Keep it like, but something's gotta. Yeah, something should have happened. Mm-hmm. We would assume, right? That's such a big thing that that happened that you would think that there would be a due process with everything in there. Mm-hmm. But if the laws aren't in place, then obviously that's not. Something that's there. And then if if it's something where it's licensed and it falls under the insurance, I assume that's com- something completely different, too. Yeah. So that's that's OK. So we're, we're reaching out to uh, lawmakers or reaching out to uh, the people that are prosecuting the detectives and stuff like that. So 
is it something where you immediately saw that, okay, the laws need to change, so do I need to figure out how to lobby to do all that? Or is it something where I need to know exactly what the laws are, what I want fixed, mm-hmm. and then what the next step is with that? Yeah, pretty much the latter. Um, after I reached out to everyone, only one person really reached out to me and offered to help through this process. Um, and because he is a parent himself of a child similar to Stokely's age, Mm-hmm. So it hit home for him. So he's like, whatever I can do to help, I'll be more than willing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he hooked me up with his legislative um, assistant and prepared us to testify in front of council about the state we felt that the oversight agency was in and our suggestions for change. And um, I had never done anything like that before. <laughs> I was so nervous. Malcolm was so nervous. But um, And I started not to go that morning. I said, um, you know, I'm, I, can't, I can't do this. Right. It's, it's not going to change anyway. Um, but I said, you know what? I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad we did. Yeah. Yeah. It was um definitely the first time I've ever did anything like that. <laughs> to testify in front of a panel of people and had to tell my story and hope they were moved by somehow and it was um definitely something that I never thought I would have to do, but mm-hmm. something I knew that was absolutely necessary because, you know, stories like this fall on deaf ears. You know, we would see stuff like this in the news all the time before this happened. And, you know, we would feel bad, but we were going about our daily lives. And but when Until it, it happens it, closer it, to you. Yeah, when, it's, when it hits you directly, you know, you you realize how much people can kind of just flip the channel yeah. and just look away. And, you know, we got a lot of help from the local news, you know, you know. Fox 5 and, you know, Channel 7 News and, you know, they did some. Incredible Channel Channel 4 News, they did some incredible, incredible investigation for us. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we come to find that they went to about maybe 10 or 11 different daycares in the city and found that not not one of them had had an inspection for the last year. Keep keep in mind, these daycares are supposed to be inspected twice a year. Mm -hmm. One scheduled, one random pop up. And the fact that they went to 11 child care services one. and not one had received an inspection for the entire year. So that just goes to show the lack of oversight, the lack of manpower that are, that's going into child services and child care providers. And you know, it's really scary because anything could be happening at these places. Yeah. And, well, you know, you, you would know. you would think the government is keeping an eye on these people. You 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 think that is a licensed daycare provider. So in your heart, you're thinking, oh, I'm, I'm good. You know, the government is watching them and I, I shouldn't have to worry about anything, but it's not the case, you know, wow. because they're, they're not showing up. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cause you would think, um, even, even like schools and stuff like that. So there, there was something in the, the news recently that they're talking about putting cameras in schools. I you would, you that. would think though, that there would be something once you get your license for a daycare that even 
cameras are installed at least during the time of, of hours of operation, right? right? Mm-hmm. You would think something along those lines would be in place already or would be mandated or would have been thought of at that point, right? Because mm-hmm. it's such a, an important thing. I think part of what's wrong with our country at the moment is that we don't take care of our kids good enough and we don't look at our future even though okay. you know we should be investing in our daycares our schools all of this stuff and we just don't you know the mm-hmm. shootings happen all the time um and to your point earlier about you know it doesn't really phase you until you know it happens to you right yeah. mm-hmm. you guys obviously had a much bigger impact uh, but my high school got shot up mm-hmm. like that's that's something that as soon as i saw that that is like this can actually happen to me. It's not something yeah. that's around here. This happens to us. And, yeah. you know, talking to you, talking to some of the teachers that are my friends that, that happen, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a completely eye opening experience all the way through. So, and it, it always boggles my mind that, you know, there's the stuff that you think is common sense. Isn't common sense law. Yeah. Yes. So that, that boggles my mind that it's, 11 daycares and not one inspection. No. Yeah. But imagine the kind of manpower that they need to make this happen that they just don't have. You know, they they don't have the bodies to send out to each daycare in the whole entire D.C. Because if you can imagine, it's probably thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of daycares in Washington, D.C. at any given time. No, license or unlicensed. Of course, right. they're going to the licensed ones. But, you know, between child care providers and between people that, you know, go from home to home and need inspections and everything else like that, you know, it's it's unfathomable to have to send, you know, a person to each place. You know, you would need how many hundreds of people to do that job. Yeah. But it's just, you know, they're not even thinking about it because the people that sit at the top of Aussie. Um, or, you know, they, they oversee the ch- child care services mm-hmm. in DC. They, um, you know, they just, there's so much oversight and, and there's so much work to do. That's just not getting done. And do you think that's specific to the DC area or is it the whole country? You think the, the, the whole, whole country. country, Yeah. you know, just maybe a week after we lost Stokely, we saw in the news, you know, a little boy fell off. You know the balcony at, at at their daycare and fell into a pool and drowned. It was mm. like a few months. It was oh was yeah. August. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah it was August. Yeah. So it was we lost Oakley in June, and this happened in August. So maybe two months later. Yeah, time blurs yeah. at that point. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it still does. You know, yeah. I, I have no sense of time anymore. Right. No sense of time. That. Um, okay, so it's not just a DC thing. It's it's definitely a national thing. Mm-hmm. So when it comes with panned. Is that your bigger picture? Is that it's a national issue rather than the local one? Or is it we want to get our local people first and then really spread out and try and, and get it to that next level? Yeah, we our vision is to go global. Yeah. So we kind of want to tweet perfectly to perfection what where you know, this local area yeah. first yeah. Um, and see how we can do there. Mm-hmm. And then branch out. I have some um, people I used to work with in other states like Florida and Texas. Um, and it's a mess. And those are bigger states. 
But it is horrible. Right. Oh, God. So I have been a connection with people kind of doing doing the same thing in another state. So we collaborate and it's like um she'll call me Melanie and say, guess what they're trying to implement? This is amazing. This is the work we've done. And I said, oh, this is great. We can use it over here um, in D.C. And um, so it's it's nice. Um, and it makes me feel good because this um, pain is horrible. Yeah. It hurts so bad. And, you know, Malcolm and I... We are white knuckling it through life sometimes. Um, so to know that we're doing something that is impacting the lives of other parents and children makes us feel good. Yeah, and then you're not alone, right? There is yeah. a community. You know, the flip side of that, it's a bad thing to happen that there mm-hmm. is a community, but a, the good side of that is that there's a support system already mm-hmm. in there, and then mm-hmm. you'll find those other people that are motivated to keep doing what you're doing right mm-hmm. now, right? Yeah. Are you finding uh, a good, warm reception with the the agencies that you have to work with? Um, Some of them. Some of them? I say the best organization is Safe Kids mm-hmm. um, DC. They have been so amazing. We're like family now. And it's an organization I never heard of until after I lost, you know, we lost Stokely. Um, and I'm like, wow. I, like, I learned kids as young as six months could learn how to swim. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't think that they <laughs> yeah. had the muscles to... I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure they can just float. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dude, I didn't know right, that... Or they... the attention span. That's the, that's the bigger one. Yeah. I didn't know that babies or, or kids, they instinctively know to hold their breath when they're underwater really so if you dip them in and pull them back out they're fine because it's just they they know yeah to to hold their breath Mm -hmm. and they you know they learn how to swim very young you know that's another thing you know we after this happened you know you know marrying the girls are taking swimming lessons like Mm -hmm. swimming has become a big part or necessity of just i knew how to swim for a long time Mm -hmm. but you know some know how to swim could be the difference in life and death one day yeah you know you'd be surprised yeah. if you're someplace and you need to swim to save your own life <sighs> and this is this is an area so we're you know being in maryland where we're in the throes of the summer mm-hmm. and everybody wants to go out to the beach and all mm-hmm. that stuff you know that's that's something that yes it could definitely help you out that is wild that i never thought that a six-month-old would be able to to do that okay yeah and just to have them comfortable around water that age yeah, mm-hmm. and I guess it's I guess it's just like anything. The younger that you are, the easier that you mm-hmm. are to learn. And yeah. I have friends that don't know how to swim and have tried, and they just can't get the mechanics behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But if it's ingrained to you, just like language and all the other stuff, right? Yeah. So the younger, the better. Um, that yeah, that's wild. Okay, mm-hmm. I never I never would have thought about that. So mm-hmm. the going back to like the manpower piece mm-hmm. is is one of the other goals of PAND to figure out how to get the funding better for them to try and see if you can funnel like the city budgets and the, the state budgets. Have we got to that level yet? No, but I'm learning that's a big part of it. <clears throat> the finance 
piece. Yeah. Because if it's costing too much, they don't even want to hear about it, which is sad because it's like money over somebody's life. Right. But, um, you know, they have a fiduciary duty to the people to make sure that they allocate funds, taxpayer funds, um, in the interest of the people. That's pretty much what politicians do. Or they should be doing, right? They're supposed to do. Right. Um, So, and you know, it's discouraging sometimes. Um, Sometimes I'm just like, what what are we doing this for? You're trying to fight a system so powerful. Yeah. You know, it's like you can try to make noise and, you know, try to make change. But at the end of the day, you know, this is a system fueled by money. And, you know, people that have money invested, you know, even, you know, big business interests in politics. And, you know, we see it every day with everything going on in the country. So, you know, we we feel like ants sometimes just trying to, you know, move along in the jungle Mm -hmm. or trying to get the attention of a lion. But, you know, the king of the jungle is not looking at Right. That's that's kind of the idea. If there's enough of them with the, the voices that or, you know. Just that one loud enough voice, that's one squeaky wheel that really gets it going. Mm-hmm. That's also a thing. So um, I assume that 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 passion to keep going, even though that you you might hit a wall, is still always there to make sure that this is something that's so important that it's mm-hmm. it's got to happen, right? It's, Absolutely, it's, it's got to be a thing that that changes. So going through panned, um, Going through the the goals and, and, and whatnot in there. So we want to make sure that everybody has awareness and everybody's protected, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So when you're looking at that um, and you're setting those goals up, was there something that you saw that was like, okay, so we need to actually shift focus on budget or we need to shift focus on getting the laws in or we need to shift focus on policy mm-hmm. was any of that uh, a factor for you when we're going through the, the pan process um yeah it was it was just navigating the whole thing i mean first i had to let people know pan even existed right <laughs> um so it's like how do i do that like the age of communication has evolved. So everything is like social media podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who's reading the newspaper anymore? Yeah, yeah. Who's reading flyers posted around on the bus stops? <laughs> so you're you're really having to figure out technology and communication within like a more modern world. Mm-hmm. To just get the message out, right? Yeah. yeah, you'd be surprised how hard it is just to get an audience. Just with some, just to sit down with a few people, you know, yeah. you know, people hear the story and they say, "Oh yeah, it's a sad story." We really feel for you, but are you going to give us the time to talk to you about what it is that we want to do? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, people have these schedules, and you know, and I, I remember Mary just trying to reach out to all these people and offices and she came across some very nasty people you know and i wouldn't say nasty but just people that were not really interested in the story Mm -hmm. they were more interested on just 
getting us out of their hair so they can move on with whatever they had to do. <laughs> right, right. So when you you know when you when you're trying to fundraise for a mayoral campaign, you don't want to hear about our story or you know it's, it's sad, sure, yeah. but you know it's sad, but I got to make this money for you know so and so. So can you come back another day or can you come back next week and you know I, I just don't see this, how this is going to work or. Because, yeah. I, yeah, I also feel like, uh, you know, this is a, a personal thing to you, but when you're looking at if you're a mayor or mm-hmm. a city official or whatever, yeah, people coming to you every day with a new issue, yeah. a new issue, yeah. a new issue. Obviously not as important as children a lot of times. It could mm-hmm. just be like, hey, you need to paint that sign mm-hmm. a different color or whatever, right? Or mm-hmm. we just want the buildings higher, whatever mm-hmm. it is, right? Yeah. But... To gain that audience, is there? Have you learned how to like do a little bit more social media to do a little bit more awareness to to figure out who you actually really need to like wheel and deal with and, <laughs> and talk to? Well, really, it's it's parents. You yeah. know, the one thing that connects a lot of us as you know as being a parent. So this story strikes a lot of mothers in particular. You know, when you're a mother, this is your worst nightmare. You know, when when we talk to people that have small children and especially that have small children in daycare, you know, they want to, they want to hear, they want to know, like, so they, so they won't experience this. Yeah. You know, they, they need to know to ask these kind of questions. Like, is there a pool on the premises? And that makes them go home and say, wow, is there a pool at my child's daycare? Like, you know, and they might, you know, be the people that are more willing to sit with us or more willing to hear us, or more willing to, you know, see what they can do as far as really digging in, digging into making a change somewhere in this system of politics and, you know, movement of money and everything else and, and happening in D.C., which, you know, we are so far in the outskirts of. You know, we see surface level stuff, but, you know, just just kind of interacting with some of the people that we know we've met through this process. You know, it's very political. Yeah, very political. And I will also say a person who's helped us navigate through this um, is Easy Street. He's like a well-known DJ in the DMV area. And he, his reach is quite far. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's a parent too. And he, you know, has a passion for doing things to help the children, the people. He's about the people. <laughs> yeah, shout out to our brother DJ Easy Street. <laughs> <laughs> so um, he actually helps with running the social media platforms for Pan. That's that's fantastic. I mean, that I know I struggle doing it all by myself. So, mm-hmm. and I, I'm just you know a little guy. But the the fact that you have someone in your corner already that mm-hmm. has that big reach, that's got to be both you know feeling great. Right, mm-hmm. that you have that support in there, but it's such a big burden lifted off of you, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that way you can lean on other people that are, and you can focus on what's important, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. So when you're talking about uh, reaching out to the parents and stuff like that and getting them on your side, obviously that shouldn't be too hard, right? Mm-hmm. But are we looking at it? Um, I know that we have an event coming up on the 22nd, but mm-hmm. are you doing like talks? Are you doing like town hall meetings too? Have you thought about doing like community? Just making sure that everybody is aware of what this stuff is. Yeah, it's actually a big goal is to implement parenting classes. So for new parents who never had children before and they have no idea what to do in terms of 
child care. We want to be the ones to say, okay, these are the top things you need to look out for. These are the things that should be in place. Um, And these are the questions you should ask. Um, So that's a goal that we have to begin starting these classes. Because I would, I would also think that even just having a checklist of what to ask yeah. your daycare provider yeah, would absolutely. be yeah. crucial to figuring out who's actually there to, to be yeah. on your side as a, a provider and who's there to just make a buck. Yeah, yeah we have that on our website. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah. We're already in the same, same thinking. Absolutely. Excellent. Um, because I think the the other part about that, uh, we talked about you know how many daycare providers are just in D.C. There's also all the ones in Maryland and Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people look at that being, oh, well, I already have kids. Why don't mm-hmm. I just open up a daycare? My house is big enough, and then I can go ahead and get licensed, and mm-hmm. and then go ahead and make money by staying at home and taking care of my kids plus mm-hmm. some of the other ones. Is that what you kind of come up against the most, uh, just inexperienced providers or just people that are in it just to really make money and not care that much? Well, one, I, and I'll, I'll let Mary take the helm on this question, but before she does, I do want to say that there are really some beautiful child care providers out here. You know, even though we had our experience, that doesn't negate from the fact that a lot of you know, child care providers are doing some amazing work. And, you know, even the child care provider that kept Stokely, you know, she watched, you know, my nieces and nephews. She watched our younger daughters. And, you know, even though we're disappointed and devastated by what happened, you know, she's been in business for 30 years. Right. So we had no foresight to this happening, had no idea it was coming. But, you know, it's it's a matter of making sure that the child care providers, you know, love these kids. You know, they, they look at the kids as their own. And the truth is, nobody's going to watch your child or take care of your child like you will. Right. You know, and you make a good point because a lot of these, you know, child care, they look at these kids as dollar signs. You know, it's just little bags of money that you're going, you're getting every week as opposed to, you know, this is somebody's baby. You know, you, you know, you, you have, you have daycare providers that, you know, don't even ask what, you know, your children are allergic to. You know, you can, you get your child's eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and they're definitely allergic to peanut butter. And, you know, these are true stories that yeah, happen. This is something that happened to people we know. So, wild. yeah, that is so wild. Okay. So. That's what I was going to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to steal your thunder, babe. No, no, that's <laughs> we are a team. There you go. Okay. I like that. I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the the parental classes in there that's something that you want to do um uh, just talking to people getting them all in in the same page mm-hmm. um this is the second year of Stokely Fest yeah right second annual so talk to me a little bit about the idea of what this event meant to you uh how it came to be and then what you really want to do with it is it just a celebration of life or is it something where you're going to use it as a bigger platform to get more uh, more awareness out. Mm-hmm. Um, it came to me just random. I'm a dreamer, a random dreamer, <laughs> and things come in my head just off the whim. So about three months after Stokely passed, um, I said, I want to have a big event to celebrate him. Um, and I came up with the name Stokely Fest because 
that was his nickname, Stokey, and he was just so much fun to be around. So I thought about a festival. Um, never thought it would actually unfold the way it did. Uh, it was, and and I kind of started planning late because <laughs> I went through a period where, you know, depression and I didn't feel like I had the energy to do it. And so one day in March, I said, you know what? It's going to happen. And my spirit just said, it's going to happen. And you'll be given all the strength and all the tools and resources you need to make it happen. And it it did. Um, I found the location, um, Langdon Park in D.C. They have a nice playground for kids. Um, It's a very beautiful area. And I got organizations to volunteer to come and share information with parents. Um, I didn't want it to just be like a cookout. Right, I wanted right. the mm-hmm. people to leave with something, a life-saving Something more of, meaningful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that they would remember. Um, and so I said, let's do it around Stokely's birthday, which is June 25th. Because we're not able to give him a gift, let's give the gift of life-saving stuff to them yeah. um, in honor of Stokely. That's and it's, fantastic. It's as much for us as it is for everybody else. Because, you know, this June is a rough month for us. We lost him on the 13th. You know, Father's Day is on the 16th. And, you know, his birthday is on the 25th. So it's like, boom, boom, boom. Back to back to back to back hits. And, um it really helps for us to put our energy into something around that time to keep us moving. So we won't be just be sitting wallowing in misery and, <laughs> you know, and just sitting back and thinking about, you know, how much we miss them and everything. We can really celebrate them and, you know, really have people come out and, you know, have a good day for the kids and yeah. people can have fun in the park. It was so much fun. And, um, the kids had a blast, <laughs> and um, it was they so was fun. Crying. Yeah, it was time to leave. Yes, they didn't want to. They didn't want to go home. <laughs> so we got a it huge so turnout, cute. and um, it's amazing to to, to believe. I can't, I can't believe that you know Mary achieved all this right in the period of one year. You know, she she you know some people it takes them a, a decade to start a nonprofit or do something like this, and <sighs> she started a whole nonprofit, had a successful you know event. All in a matter of a, a year. So kudos to you, babe. And oh, thank you. I couldn't have done it without you. Oh man! I know you say it's my brain power behind it, and you were there for more support. But that's just as, if not more important, because you mentally can't do something without support. Right? Like people say, "Oh, I don't need anybody." Yes, you do. <laughs> right? Yeah. You can you can easily shut down. Um, it's it's something that I deal with. Uh, finding that motivation to keep doing anything is sometimes very difficult. Mm-hmm. Wanting to just shut down and just kind of stew in your own stuff and yeah. think about past stuff, future stuff that you may not get mm-hmm. to the whole nine in there. You know that's it's a daunting thing. But if you have mm-hmm. someone that's in your corner. It, it's got to be a, a big relief to mm-hmm. feel that support that's right there for you and <laughs> be like, oh, yeah, I can actually lean on you. You are here. You're not going to go away. 
you know, like what you were talking about earlier, you, you don't ask for support and then, mm. you know, not follow through on it. Yeah. Right. You know, if you, <laughs> if you want help, you're, I'm reaching out to you. You better be there when, when you yeah. said that you're going to be right. <laughs> so I, I assume that's such a big, big piece of it and mm. keeping it going too. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we have a lot of people that, that, you know, when this happened, they rallied around us yeah. and, you know, they lifted us up. You know, we also lost, we also lost a lot of people too. You know, don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, we had a lot of people that, you know, we haven't seen or heard from, you know, but the people that are here, you know, are the ones that need to be here. Yeah. So, you yes. know, it, it's, it's one thing to have a team of people, but to have a whole community, you know, people who love Stokely, you know, people who love us and they keep us lifted, you know, even when nobody else is looking they're always calling us, texting us, making sure we're okay, coming by, you know, you know, taking care of our daughters, you know, right. you know people forget that's a huge part of this too. Now, it wasn't just us that lost them. You know, he, she, you know, our little girls, you know, went through this devastation with us and, you know, they, they had to hold us up too, you know, and it's, it really makes a difference when you have people that can relieve us and let us grieve and let us make sure that we can get ourselves together by helping us with the girls and yeah. making sure that they're taken care of and that they have some people that can lift them up too. Is that something that you guys think about too, um, as Panda as a whole, but obviously as a family is, you know, it didn't just affect you guys, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So how is that kind of your, your thought process is, okay, we not only need to take care of us, but we have to take care of them and then we also have to give them an opportunity to express whatever they're feeling, to mm-hmm. express everything in there mm-hmm. and, and to seek help if they really need it and to talk to someone or whoever it is. Right. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the goals possibly for Pan in the future, too? Because I, I think that would be a very important aspect of it that people forget. Yeah, you know, the take, sibling aspect. Yeah, the sibling yeah. aspect. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the mission points is to build a community of parents who've lost children due to daycare negligence or drowning. And through that, we could branch out to a sibling support system. Um, so, yeah, I'd totally be open to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, that's such a, a big thing, like taking care of the girls and taking care yeah. of everybody that's around there that's, that's impacted to it. I mean, obviously, it's, the parents have to not only keep themselves up, but also yeah. have to bring yeah. the, the siblings up as well. So I, I just think that's a, a, a very important thing just from talking to us. Is, mm-hmm. You know, that's such a big thing that you can easily lose track of, I feel like, right? Yeah, because, I mean, you struggle to find a way to live every day. You know, a lot of times, if it wasn't for the girls, me and Mary might be out of here. You know, here. If, 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 if we didn't have them to take care of, we wouldn't have to, we wouldn't take care of ourselves properly, you know. <laughs> you know, we had to get to a point where you know we we could find the will to to make sure we were eating right or eating at all, you know. Because some days you just you don't eat anything or you just don't care about yourself. You start you stop thinking about whether you live or die. You know, you don't care what you put in your body. You don't care about waking up. You don't care about anything. You just kind of wanted to stop. But those girls, you know, they need us. Yeah. You know, they can't be here without us. So we want to make sure that we can be here for them. We hold ourselves together 
so that we can hold them together. And, you know, they had, luckily they have each other and they have us and, you know, they've been our rocks. Really, mm-hmm. really. They've really been our rocks. They lifted, lifted us up and we want one of the pain's goals also that we talk about is partnering with the hospitals. Yeah. You know, and, um, one thing we realized is through this whole process was, you know, when you leave the hospital with a new baby, they give you everything. You have a big bag of goodies and they give you formula and diapers and wipes <laughs> and say, oh, here's all this That's stuff. That's fantastic. And, I didn't even know yeah, that. Yeah, they give you all this stuff to, just to take home. Awesome. And, but when you lose a child, you There's know, no they, they have a, a grief counselor there on site that gives you maybe a couple pamphlets. But that's it. You know, they don't know what else to tell you. So, you know, one thing is making sure that they have resources there at the hospital for parents that have lost children or parents that have experienced the drowning of a child. And, you know, just any kind of material to to assist assist you in getting the help you need because you can't grieve. And, I, you know, this is a funny story. It's not funny, but when we lost Stokely, we had some family members that flew us to Miami mm-hmm. to come stay with them just so we can get away from the area, get away from the house, um, get some place fresh, get some fresh air. And, you know, the whole time I was down there, I was on the phone with the FMLA people for my job. Mm. So imagine having to grieve, but also having to be on the phone constantly with people telling you, oh, yeah, we got this form, but we need this form as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, we we got this this signature, but your doctor needs to put these dates on here. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we we can't do this, but you know you can do this and send us. This. So I, the whole time I'm in Miami, I'm trying to trying to just you know make sure I can get myself together mentally, but I can't because I'm calling after my LA, I'm getting to run around from people. People telling me I need all this stuff, you know, and this and it's like I. I I don't want to do this right now, right, right. <laughs> but I want, but I need to make sure my job is safe. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you know, it, there, it has to be an easier way for a parent to go through the grief process without having to be, having to be burdened by the process of, it, it should be a, middle, a middleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should yeah, be yeah. a middleman to take this. Somebody should call me and say, you know, I know what you, I, I know what happened. Let me reach out to the people at FMLA if if we need something, we reach out to you, but we'll take care of it. Don't worry about your job. Just be with your family and your fan. But, you know, instead, I have to call these people and, you know, sure, yeah. explain to them what happened and then talk to a different person every time. And then, you know, they need a different signature from someplace. And, you know, <laughs> the, the doctor's office is in Fairfax. So I got to drive there to get a signature <laughs> right. from Fairfax and everything else. And it's like... It's got to be an easier way. So yeah, if it, if it's not one thing, it's another. If it's not one piece of tape, yeah. it's another piece of tape. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. it should be more resources for people when you lose a child. Just as yeah. much as when you have a child, you should still have those same resources. When and that's what Pam wants to do for you. Know, I never, parents. I never would have thought about that too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. obviously not until it happens, right? You yeah. don't think about that stuff until it happens. You don't yeah. think about the. The license process, the the people yeah. that are going to, mm-hmm. and the inspections, all yeah. all this stuff. You don't think about that yeah. stuff. People forget about the the business of death. You know. Yeah. I had to make these phone calls and go to the funeral home and sign paperwork and and sign his name and you know, it, it's so much that goes into planning and 
know, making sure we have a location and stuff. And, and, we, and we're still dealing with the sadness of all this, the shock of all this. Right. But I have to also take care of all this paperwork and getting phone calls from the hospital and getting phone calls from various places. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a lot. To your point, yeah, I think I, that middleman's got to be there yeah. for that, that extra layer of support for you guys, right? Yeah. So for anybody that experiences, it's got to be that extra layer yeah. in there. And that that's a, a very great goal to have for, you know, a foundation and that is so intertwined with both, you know, celebrating life and, and you know, the flip side of that. Yeah. Um, there should be a, a section of HR dedicated to that just mm-hmm. yeah. for when you go through a loss. This is, you know, let us take care of what we need from your medical provider to make sure your job is safe. And we, yeah. won't, we won't reach out to you unless it's absolutely necessary while you're going through this. And that that would have been extremely helpful. And I, I think with, with this country in particular, um, we don't do a good job with our mental health, with depression, with all of that. We don't. We don't. We don't do a good job. Um, addressing it, talking about it, taking care of it, the whole nine, right? So if if companies were to embrace that more, obviously that would help everything, productivity, the whole nine. But until you see that buck in there, mm-hmm. I think that's that's kind of the bottom line for everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. So back to money, yeah, yeah. back to yeah. money, which, oh. which which really you know stinks because you're you're looking at the the grand scheme of things and you're just not able to take advantage of everything. And yeah, to your point, I mean, if, if you saw that process to where it was just an easy process, mm-hmm. not only are you going to feel better about going back to work because, you know, your work actually has your back. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But then that the whole layer of burden is, is gone. And so hopefully you guys can get to that point. And, you know, anything that I can do, obviously, let me know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's something um, where I, I never would have even thought about. You know that that extra layer. We don't do a great job. Yeah. We don't do a good enough job getting counselors in the in the schools, yeah. getting mm-hmm. you know the oversight in the daycares. Mm-hmm. We don't do a good enough job all the way through. So hopefully, you know this this organization and your passion and your drive for this gets you to the next step. Um, with uh, with Stokey Fest, uh, do you have a grander idea of what you want it to become? Uh, and then with Pan, do you have? We talked about global, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about global outreach and, and making sure everybody's you know good on that. But what's in a, in a kind of like a near future goal that you have that you really want to get done next, and then go from there? I would say getting the classes together in the hospitals. So they have like classes for new parents, Lamar's class, Mm -hmm. how to take care of your baby, Um, classes for siblings. You know, if you have a young child, how do you introduce that they're not going to be an only child anymore? So just, you know, talking about the new baby coming. But I've done research and found they really don't have classes geared towards how to select a good child care provider yeah. mm-hmm. or what to look for in the daycare. And I think that's important because a big part of postpartum depression for a lot of mothers is you're going to have to go back to work soon and you're going to have to leave this precious newborn life that you've carried for nine months through 
morning sickness, vomiting, diarrhea, nausea, heartburn. Just craving all pickles t- in the middle of the night. Craving. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Gaining 40 pounds. <laughs> and you have to leave this precious being in the care of somebody else. You trust them. If you, you know, if somebody says, I watch your baby, you think that they love them as much as you do. But that's not always the case. Um, So a big goal is to have that um, in place for parents. I like it. All right. Anything for you, Malcolm? Well, you you know, one thing I do want to add is I remember you touched on um, what we want for Stokey Fest in the future. Mm -hmm. You know, Stokey Fest is a community event. It's something that we hold to commemorate our son and honor his memory, but also to share information. A lot of times we don't care if five people show up or 100 people show up as long as we can reach somebody. You know, as long as we can maybe save one child, mm-hmm. you know, this event is going to happen no matter how many people show up, you know. So we have a, a, a theme of just keeping it going. That's our big thing is making sure that it happens every year mm-hmm. on time. You know, if you want to come, please come join us. Please bring your kids. It's a free event. You don't have to pay for anything. Everything mm-hmm. there is no cost. You don't have to buy tickets. It's just a day of fun and laughter in the park um, for the kids, for the adults, and to get some information about, you know, your child safety, water safety. Some of the vendors that we have coming to Stokey Fest are incredible organizations. And not just dedicated to kids. We, you know, of course, Safe Kids is there. We have organizations that DC Bikers or what's the name of that? Um, National Bike Association. National Bike Association. You know, it's, 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 it's vendors there that will share information with you, you know, that could save your life, whether it's about bike regulation, water safety, child safety, food safety, everything, you know. So it's, it never hurts to kind of come out and have a good time, but also leave with something that, you know, you didn't know before. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Stokey Fest is going to remain, you know, if it gets larger, that's okay. We might need a, we might need a larger space. <laughs> but... <laughs> Outside of that, you know, we just we're gonna be there, and whoever wants to show up, we'll be happy to have you. I like it. Mm-hmm. If you build it, they will come. Right? Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. one exactly. thing I wanted to mention too, um, that we're gonna do different this year. We're gonna reach out through social media and other platforms to try to connect with parents who've lost children in daycare or as a result of drowning or neglect. And we want to call out the names of those children and their ages. And it's not just about Stokely. You know, he was our son. He was our world. And I know there are other parents that feel the same way. So we want to call out the names of their children to honor and remember them also. Mm -hmm. And hopefully that way that'll be a bridge to build out community and bring the worlds together right they all deserve to be celebrated that's that's something powerful when you and i i've thought about this when there was a shooting in um the the high school in florida yeah and it was just somebody called out all the names and it's like oh my gosh 
you know, it just touches you. It's like these are real people. And that's something that's very powerful. So we want to call the names of our angels and remember them and honor them and celebrate them. All right. What do you think keeps you guys driven the most to keep going, to get up every day, to, you know, keep pursuing, you know, this awareness, this goal to to get everybody safe? Um, I say for me, it, number one, keeps Stokely alive. So by doing this, I'm honoring him because he's not able to, and as his mother, it's my job to let as many people learn about him as possible. And two, every day we carry this sadness, like every single day. And I love kids. I think they're so funny <laughs> and cute. <laughs> and they're our future. Like, one day they're going to be taking care of us, making laws and regulations for us, and making the world a better place for us. So it's our job now to invest in them and take care of them and keep them alive. So by, you know, doing pan, it, if I can do my part to help, then it's, you know, I'm all in. So I kind of just, that's my driving force. I love it. For me, it's definitely my daughters. You know, you know they have been impacted by this in a way that I've never seen because they have thrived, you know, and mm-hmm. it's, I wanted them to see us continue to thrive because, you know, one thing we learned from this is that, you know, just because you're a good person doesn't mean bad things won't happen to you. Sure. You know, yeah. you, you spend your whole life, think, life thinking if, if I'm a good person, I do good things, I put out positive energy, good things are going to happen, but bad things happen. And, you know, mm-hmm. I want to be the example to them when life hits them hard to not give up. Because if they saw us give up, if they saw us crash and crack and crumble, then that's what they would do when life hit them hard. So, you know, my my biggest source is making sure that, you know, every day I wake up, I can make sure that they can see me and Mary being strong and making sure that we keep going through life because they're going to have to keep going through life when life hits them. Yeah. Big time. Perfect. Mm-hmm. I think that's it.